Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 63. Today we're looking at contentment. Contentment. We're looking at the wisdom and the guidance that we get from the New Testament, which, by the way, is over 2,000 years old. And I believe that it's it stood the test of time. I mean, this, this information has been passed on for 2,000 years because it makes sense to people of every single generation. This is the beauty of the scripture. You know, it's kind of astonishing how relevant these writings are. Now, so I'm going to be looking at contentment. Now, you know, the scripture's made up of all sorts of different kinds of literature. It's made up of poetry and prayers and narratives and letters. And today we're going to be looking at one of the letters in the New Testament. And this is a letter that was written uh, by a man named Paul, who was uh, one of the greatest leaders the early church had. And Paul is writing, he's passing on a father's wisdom to his son in the faith, Timothy. In other words, he's his mentor, his coach. Now, I don't know if there's a piece of wisdom that you think, I wish I had known this before. Have you ever thought that? You know, you're going through life and you think, I wish I had known this when I was younger. Or I wish I had known this 10 years ago or 20 years ago. This would have changed my life. If I had known what I know today, my decisions would have been, they would be so different. The course of my life would be so different. Well, many of us, yeah, we we can relate to that. You know, there's things that we know now today that we didn't know five years ago, and we wish we did. Well, Paul wants to pass on a piece of wisdom to his son, Timothy, son in the faith. And he's known Timothy for a long, long, long time. Now, Timothy's a young man, but Paul knew his mother Eunice and he knew his grandmother, so there's a lot of family connection in this. And Timothy, at this point in his life, is a young pastor, a young uh, minister. So he's just starting off in his career. And in the passage this morning, which, by the way, comes from 1 Timothy 6, that's what the letter's called, Timothy. In the letter, Paul gives him some advice. Now, out of all the wisdom and the teachings of Paul, it's really interesting to note what he chooses to pass on to Timothy. Because this is the Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote three quarters of, of the New Testament. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of fascinating when you think about it, that one man wrote three quarters, obviously, with the help of God, right, with the inspiration of God, but still, he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He's one of the most significant leaders in the early church. A man of incredible intellect, uh, world influence. He shaped our understanding of Jesus. And God used him to reach countless, countless people in his day because he would travel around and he would pass on the good news, pass on the message. So what he does in this particular letter is is that he he advises Timothy of two character traits that can be learned and 
developed and matured. And this is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm just going to give you one verse. And it's going to sound kind of strange to begin with, but we're going to break it down so that it doesn't sound strange. Hopefully, right? That's the goal. Here's the verse. There is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. That's it. There's his advice. There's his advice. Young Timothy, starting off his, starting off his uh, call, his new church. Uh, there is, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Now, first of all, that word, there's great gain in godliness. That word, godliness, we, we hardly use that word. In the original language, Eusebia, the original language, by the way, was in New Testament Greek. So when you look at the Greek, it sometimes gives you a greater understanding of the word. Godliness is your inner response to the things of God. Now, we'll look at that in more detail later. But here's the two things he advises, godliness and contentment. And I thought, what an unusual thing to say to a young man, full of ambition, just starting off, just starting off his life. I thought, what an unusual thing to say to a young man, full of ambition and passion and energy and drive, right? Of all the many things Paul could have emphasized, he chooses contentment and godliness. Now, Paul was a great one for giving advice. And in and, and other letters in the New Testament, he, he does give lots of other advice. I mean, he says things like, you know, um, what we would say, stay focused, uh, do your best, choose good friends, uh, don't get drunk, uh, watch who you partner with. That was one of his favorite ones. You know, watch who you partner with. He would say... Um, Make sure you're equally yoked. So it's that image of two oxen, two people coming together, two oxen. You want to make sure that you're pulling in unison, right? Now, it could be a marriage, it could be a partnership, but it also could be a friend. It could be a business partnership. It could be a dating relationship, could be a marriage. Now, at the honeymoon stage, it might not matter if you're pulling in unison, right? If you're if you're at the honeymoon stage in the relationship, it it might not matter so much. But once you start to think about children, or you get sick, or you go through stress, or you lose your job, if you don't have the same foundation, the same values as the person that you're working with you're going to end up pulling against each other. So again, it doesn't have to be a marriage. It doesn't have to be a partnership. It can even be a friendship. It can be in a business arrangement. Any, anywhere you are counting on someone else, uh, Paul's advice was, now you make sure you're equally yoked. Don't connect yourself. Don't join yourself with someone who is completely different from you in the sense that your values are different. 
But anyway, I digress because that's not exactly what he 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 give, That's not the advice he gives uh, Timothy at this point in time. That's all good advice, but to his son, he's saying, Timothy, you got to learn contentment. You have to learn contentment before you even start. Learn to be content with what you have. Now, contentment is the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. So a lack of contentment is when we feel like something's missing. If I'm not content, it's when I feel like something's missing. I'm in a state of restlessness. I'm, I'm looking for the missing piece, right? I can be busy. I can be accomplished. I can do a lot. And yet I can still be completely unfulfilled. Have you ever experienced that? You know? And it's like you're busy, but it's not satisfying. I'm distracted. You can be distracted. It passes time. You can get things done. But sometimes just ticking off the list isn't enough. You know, if I'm not content, if I'm, if I'm empty for something, I'm going to be spending my life trying to fill the space. I'm going to be spending my life trying to fill the need, the void. That's going to be the drive for me. That's going to be the motivation. And, of course, for different people, it's going to be different things. But whatever it is, it's always going to be something out there. It's always going to be something that I have to need to go toward. It's never going to be something that I already have, that's already within me. It's always going to, if I'm discontent, I'm always going to be looking out there. It's a common, common temptation to look in the wrong places to fill the void. So Paul is advising Timothy, you have to learn the way of contentment. And then he goes on to say, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, I spoke about money extensively last week. So I don't want to spend too much time on it here, but Jesus' view on money is in podcast 62. So I don't want to go over the whole thing again, but I will mention that in this particular text in 1 Timothy 6, there is an important point here that money is never the problem. It's the love of money that's the problem. So Paul is advising Timothy Beware of the love of money. And again, money isn't the problem. Money is kind of neutral. And um, it can be used for good or not. It can be used to help others or not. It's a neutral thing. It seems that in our lives, we can take any neutral thing, or any good thing for that matter, and when it's out of balance it becomes detrimental to our spiritual and our emotional well-being. The spiritual and the emotional well-being are connected. They're completely connected. One affects the other. So, for example, the love of money, 
the love of anything, the love of football, the love of gardening, the love of my spouse, the love of my children, the love of my art, the love of my work, the love of my ministry, education, doesn't matter what it is. Well, surely that can't be wrong. These good things, my my art, my children, my, oh yeah, Jesus would say, anything, anything can become detrimental. Anything. If it leads your life, if it's taking first place, it can take you in the wrong direction. I mean, that's what that word idolatry is all about. You know, sometimes we think the word idolatry, we think of little idols that we're bowing down to. Not for us here. Not for us here in North America. We're not necessarily doing that. But there's a lot of idolatry, right? It's about what's leading you. What is the leading motivator in your life? And anything can lead you astray. Anything can get you off track. Anything can claim and own your heart. Right? And of course, Paul says here, be careful, Timothy, because you, you could wander away from the faith. Verse 10. Now, we don't use that uh, line often. You know, we don't think, most of us don't necessarily think about what, what does that mean, to wander away from the faith. I don't think it's you wake up one day and say, well, I really don't believe in God anymore. Although, I have had people tell me that. I mean, I suppose it can happen. But I think a more common way is to wander away from the faith. I think it's a case of you wake up one day and you realize, well, you probably wouldn't realize because you've wandered away. But if you did, right, you'd be be saying, you know, I, I, I really don't necessarily think about God. I don't really think about my spiritual life at all. I mean, I'm just, I'm just concerned about, you know, getting through the day and getting my stuff done and sort of on automatic pilot. Some of us might be plodding through each day. Uh, some of us might be accomplishing lots and uh, getting a lot done. Well, either way, Jesus would say, yeah, that's unaware. You're, you're asleep. Jesus used that word a lot. That's, that's, you are asleep. That's not, that's not life. That's not, that's not abundant life. That's not what I have come to show you, Jesus would say. So he was, Jesus was always talking about being aware and awake, which is really about being spiritually sensitive. Attuned is another way of saying it. A lack of contentment is a temptation to fill the emptiness with something that was never designed to fill it. And in some ways, you know, this can be a constant lifelong struggle on and off because people tend to, well, they tend, they have a tendency toward discontentment And then they start to fill the void with people or money or careers or children or hobbies or stuff. They collect stuff. That's a big one. For those of us who have extra cash, that's a huge 
temptation just by stuff because we can. Uh, this scripture teaches none of that is designed to give you contentment and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So like most things, Paul learned the hard way. Paul wasn't born content and he wants young Timothy to learn from a young age to develop this contentment. Uh, now, nobody needs to be taught how to attach, right? We do have to actually be taught how to, be, to, be, to live a contented life because our default is to attach. Nobody needs to be taught how to attach to things. Uh, but most of us need a lot of help learning how to detach, right? So, for example, what does that mean? Um, we don't have to be taught how to attach to our how to get attached to our phones or our music or if you like uh, games on the computer or if you like sports or if you like books or if you like the gym. Nobody has to say, get on the PC and do some mindless browsing. Nobody says to us, I'm going to teach you how to go on that PC and do some mindless browsing, right? <laughs> That's crazy, right? Why? Well, because we come ready wired for attachment. It's like a low level addiction. Nobody teaches you, now listen, go out and over shop. Why don't you? Why don't you buy more than what than you need? Nobody has to teach us that. It comes naturally to us. For many of us, it doesn't necessarily wreck our lives, but it can preoccupy us. And it can be anything. Like I said, it could be romance novels. It could be a love of decorating. It could be a love of eating. Um, it preoccupies us. It's a distraction. Jesus would say, it's falling asleep. It's not self-awareness. Or Paul, Paul's language, he'd say, uh, you're wandering away. You're wandering away. You're getting off track. There's a point when good things, neutral things, tip over into, well, this isn't healthy. And, and we can lose touch with what's truly important because of this lack of contentment. Because this restlessness leads us into various activities to fill the void. So Paul's advice to Timothy is, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Timothy, learn the way of contentment. And then there's this other word here that we don't use often. There's great gain in godliness. Now, let me break this, this down a little bit, because we hardly use this word today. I, I told you earlier that in the original language, it is your inner response to the things of God. So here's a way to think about this, a, a way to unpack this word. Godliness is really about sensitivity. Now, for example, some of us might be 
sensitive people. We might even actually describe ourselves. You maybe have heard someone say, I'm actually quite a sensitive person. Or you might know someone who you would describe. They're very sensitive. Uh, now, a sensitive person isn't necessarily going to be the type of person who would want to offend or hurt anyone, right? Because they're, they're, they're sensitive. If you're a sensitive person, you can pick up when someone is sad or when someone's angry or someone's hurt. Why? Well, you have that gift. It comes naturally to you. You walk into a room. If you're a sensitive person, there's 10 people in the room. You can scan the room and you can quickly discern the mood of the people in the room and their needs. Why? You have the discernment, you're sensitive. Some of us may have children, and when we're describing one of our kids, we might say, you know, he's a really sensitive child. Meaning, you know, she's attuned, she notices what's going on, she's affected by others, how they speak to her, their actions toward her, she wants to please. Um, sensitive, it's a, it's a good thing, right? Now, godliness is sensitivity to God. So Paul saying, Timothy, as you go through your life, be sensitive to God's ways and God's leading and God's correction. Because you're going to be led by something, Timothy. You're going to be led by someone or something. So make sure it's the right impulse. There's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Now, like every good father, every good father, he wants, he wants his son to not make mistakes that will cause Timothy a lot of suffering. I mean, isn't that why we give advice to people, right? If we're going to be giving advice to a friend, why would we even do that? Because we, we're, we're thinking that if they carry down the road they're going, they might end up hurting themselves, so we give advice in the hope that they'll avoid pain. So this is what Timothy's, this is what Paul's doing with Timothy. He's hoping that if he catches him early on, that he's going to put him on, on the right track. And the connection is, by the way, between godliness or sensitivity and contentment is, the connection is, if we're on track and we're attending to what we know is the right path, that in turn affects our contentment. Well, here's another way of saying it. Here's another way. If we're discontent, if something's missing, could it be we're off track and chasing the wrong things? Right? If I'm not satisfied, if this life isn't enough for me, could this state be a wake-up call for me? That's another way of getting at the, the question. If the heart's restless, if the heart's restless, the prayer is, put me back on track. <laughs> you know, show me how to fill my time. Guide me in another direction. There's the heart cry. Let me put my thoughts and my time and my energy into the right people. 
Let me put my time and my thoughts and my energy into the right kind of work. There's the heart cry. Help me use my time in the right way. And most of all, help me be sensitive to you and to your ways, God. Help me to be sensitive to you and your ways. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. We've been talking about contentment and sensitivity to God. Join with me again next week for another episode.